This podcast was brought to you by Speak Spokane, a community-driven podcasting studio space where people from all walks of life can speak and be heard. Follow along with us on Instagram at Speak Spokane and visit speakpodcasting.com to learn more about starting your podcasting journey today. Do you love pets as much as we love ours? I bet you do. And if you do, you'll want to know about our new partnership with eBay. All you have to do is head to our link in bio to donate to the ASPCA. Because if you know anything about us, you know that we talk about our pets a lot. And we sure do love dogs and cats and all of the little furry creatures. Yeah, so head over to that link and you can support a shelter pet in need. On this episode, we get to talk with Julie Garcia of Jules Helping Hands. They are an incredible local organization that helps houseless people in our area have a chance to have low barrier housing during times when it's very cold outside and we want to keep them safe. Yeah, it was a really fascinating interview, Erin, and I'm sure you got just as much out of it as I did. But one of the things that I learned about Jules is that it's one of the very few um, organizations that helps people with low to no barrier entry. And I think that's one thing that if you don't know what that is, you'll learn about it in today's episode. And one of the best parts about talking with Julie is you get to learn more about how you can help and be a part of the solution to helping reduce the harm that's happening to homeless people in our community. Yeah. We also share good news uh, from Julie Garcia, and you can help in a variety of different ways, volunteering as well as donating money, depending on what you're comfortable with. So it'll be a great episode, so stay tuned. Julie, thank you so much for coming to the podcast today. Thank you for having me. We really appreciate it. And you've been so patient as we get everything set up. This is our second official podcast. Can you believe that, Melissa? I cannot believe it. (laughs) (laughs) It has been a crazy busy week. We are really thankful that you chose to come and spend some time with us and get to chat with us. Julie is a local superhero who runs the nonprofit Jules Helping Hands that's dedicated to serving our local houseless community members. Jules provides safe safe sleeping conditions in their shelter as well as daily outreach, actually going out onto the streets and helping people who are struggling with the elements. And oh my gosh, it's been such a cold, bitter, snowy week. It's been so heart-wrenching to see all of the video and pictures you've been sharing. And they actively work to fill in gaps that are not provided by the city, including showers, fresh clothing, food, medical services, and all of that being done in an emotionally safe environment. Julie, we are just absolutely overwhelmed by the amazing work that you do. And I know that, yeah, I know that it is not easy. What has been your experience this winter um, in serving our local houseless friends out on the street? Well, we always have the same issue every year, which is the lack of shelter bed availability. We have 52% of our known homeless that are counted by the city who are not able to access a bed every single night. And that is just the folks that we count in the point in time count on one day in January. That doesn't represent the entire houseless population. So lack of available beds has caused an issue during this cold stretch in the last 10 days because it was below 32 degrees for sustained periods of time, which is unsafe for people to be outside that's been our struggle is where do folks go? Where do we take them? As a community-based organization, we do all we can in our community, but there has to be partners and collaboration and that is starting to happen, but it doesn't move fast enough to help the folks that are actually still experiencing homelessness. 
And and speaking of being a community-based organization and speaking of moving quickly, you, so Jules started in 2019 and just within two years, yeah. you have, I mean, I've seen you all over the news and you've gotten city contracts and you're doing all this incredible work. What made you decide to start Jules? Did, were you here before and you saw a need or? Well, I used to hand out sandwiches in front of House of Charity and I realized that people weren't just hungry, they were cold. So then I brought clothing and my one car of clothing turned into two cars of clothing and five truckloads of clothing. And that's how we started a zero barrier clothing bank. Uh, We applied for nonprofit status in 2019 so that we could bid on the shelter offered in the RFP by the city, which was the Havana and Sprague building, which of course didn't come to happen at this time. But that's why we decided to become a nonprofit. We did not get that contract. But the later August, we were asked by the city of Spokane to run a city funded warming center, which was the Cannon Warming Street Center. And we ran that successfully for our entire contract. During that time, COVID hit. So we were trying, we're trying to address COVID, this global pandemic, with no guidelines. And it it hadn't been done before. So we're treading new water. We separated and social distanced our guests and we were able to open the downtown Spokane library as overflow for our 120 people experiencing homelessness. Since then, we have we completed our contract with at Canon. We have replicated this model for separate times on a smaller scale. Um being pop-up and emergency warming centers. All of those have been non-city funded and come completely from community donations and community participation. It just blows me away how you took a simple action, which was to bring sandwiches to people, and that has completely changed the course of your whole life. (laughs) It sure has. Yeah. And you said low barrier or no barrier. There are big differences between different organizations locally And I think that our viewers would probably like to know a little bit more about what no barrier help really does look like. Okay, so most shelters cannot operate under zero barriers. There's always barriers. The safety of the guests that are staying there has to be our top priority. We are as low barrier as we possibly can be, which means we have four rules and we, we are strict on those rules, but there are only four. And they are one, once you've checked in with us for the night, that you remain on our property until 6.01 in the morning, and then you're free to do whatever you wish. Um, that protects the area in which we are in, and it helps us coexist in the Garland Business District and in a neighborhood. Our second one is that you don't use on our premises. We understand that people coming to warming centers may struggle with addiction. We just ask that you use before and not in our building. Third, we ask that you don't hit or attack any other person. You're able to maintain through the night, um, rest or do so without disrupting the remainder of the folks there. And Our fourth one is, is that you respect our staff because our staff is literally all volunteers. Mm -hmm. Nobody in our organization is paid to do any of this, including myself. Gosh, that is incredible. Yeah. 
You have such a big team too. Yeah, we have an amazing base of volunteers. There's about 18 of us that work full time and the rest is filled in with community participation. Anybody who is willing to volunteer, we don't have those folks staffed 40 hours a week because we understand that it it does put a damper on your your life when you're working 40 hours a week and not getting paid. Absolutely. Well, and and speaking of COVID, um, how have you seen COVID impact not only those who are already affected, you know, experiencing homelessness, but have you noticed an uptick since COVID hit in? Well, COVID's ruining all of our lives. (laughs) Yeah. It's just the way that it is. But um, how it affects the people experiencing homelessness is every place that they could exist legally has been closed down. They no longer have a space where you can go where it doesn't cost you money or have a barrier. Before those were the STA Plaza, the downtown Spokane Library, in the Valley, it was the library in the Valley. Every place that was in their normal routine has been shut down. So it's it's played crazy games with our mental health. And I have a home, you have a home, we recognize that it's it's stressful to be isolated, but it's more stressful to be isolated with nothing and nowhere to go because of that. And that's the boat that the people experiencing homelessness have been in for the last year. We've went from Cannon through five centers in between. Jules has been able to, thankfully, have up until recently our first positive COVID case, and that is... Um, happened this during this cold stretch because we also realized that we have an advantage over most shelters. We are located outside of the downtown corridor. So our guests are not what we call shelter hopping. They are not going from Cannon to House of Charity back to us and taking those germs into each different place. We have a core group of guests and we have about 10 beds every night that are up for grabs. The people can come in, use our warming center. They usually leave. Some of them stay, but we have about 25 that have been with us since we opened. And of those 25, anyone who can maintain themselves will move over to our new center with us in March. You know, before this interview, I felt really compelled to go and serve people on the street and really see what you get to do every day. I had to do my homework in a very tangible capacity. Um, And I have to say, it rocked me to my core. All we did was bring hot coffee, some cookies, some hand warmers, and wool socks to people that we saw who looked like they were receptive. Because I know that, you know, really being aware that this is their private space and not just approaching people out of pity, but really connecting with them as a human being was an important part of that. Um, But yeah, it just, it stuck with me so deeply for so long. I can understand that for you, it must be really difficult to have to bear all of the emotional burden of um, doing this kind of work every day. But how would you recommend the average citizen in Spokane should interact with people that they see who are experiencing houselessness? Well, first of all, mostly the most important thing is that we acknowledge that they exist. That is one of the biggest things you'll find with people experiencing homelessness is people just pretend they're not there. And we've created this in our own lives, all of us. I know five years ago, I didn't pay attention to people experiencing homelessness. It just wasn't in my daily 
will well of things that needed to be done. I was a single mom with children and my world existed in this tiny bubble. And opening that up, it's why I am so stressed community participation because one, we've, we're really good at what we do. We are good at outreach and we're good at building connection and we're good at making relationships with our friends out on the street. But we also provide a safe platform for anybody to participate. And that's really what Jules does in the big picture is we make it accessible to the average person to do whatever their part is in making community solutions. We all realize, and whether we agree or disagree, we all realize that the government cannot solve these kind of problems. They're not good at it. They build streets. They deal with infrastructure. They don't make one-on-one relationships. They don't build those connections. That's not something that they do. That is how we end people's cycle of homelessness. We can warehouse people all day long. And we can put them in buildings and make rules and make them stay. And that's kind of like prison, but that's what we can do. And that is a answer to not having people sleep in doorways. But that answer is what's happening now is we see an increase every year of homelessness instead of a decrease, even though people are getting housing, it's just slow. It's slower than People are getting into homelessness is how fast we can get them out. And we've also realized that we're the everybody else category. That's the people that we serve. There's different categories, just like there is in, in our house community. There's folks that if the UGM works for you, it's an amazing place to send you to go. I personally, if I was homeless, I don't struggle with addiction. I have zero issues with the religious aspect of it. So that would be my place to go. If you're struggling with addiction or you're in crisis or you don't like the religious aspect, that's when you start eliminating options for people. Mm -hmm. And it's trying to get them to decide between who they are as a person and whether they have somewhere to sleep. And so we've kind of lowered that to make low barrier And low barriers, anybody in any condition, um, men, women, we do have a barrier of 18 years and older simply for the fact that we are low barrier and we don't check sexual offender registries. We don't check criminal background. We don't check addiction issues. None of those are our concern. Our concern is that you come in, you have a safe place tonight to stay. And can we, if we can, and it's something that you want, can we connect you with resources? That's our job is to build those relationships enough to get people inside. And that's the struggle is so many people out on the street have been traumatized. It's what they all have in common. And whether it's traumatized by us as organizations trying to help them or their situation, whatever it is, there's a reason why they don't want to come inside. So we start with building a relationship, just a, hey, we love you where you're at. And we accept that that's where you are. Do not have any expectation because I don't believe that a requirement can be given to somebody to get their basic needs met. And basic needs are safety, security, sleep, food. Those, the things that we have to have to exist. Once we move past that, then that's not our will will. That's transitional living. 
And that's a whole different organization. That's where that we expect accountability. If you're going to do this, then this is a step you need to take. But at the level that we work on the street, just bringing people inside, there's there can't be a requirement for that. I, that's and it takes a lot to be able to do this, to be in a room with 30 people experiencing homelessness that have every array of issues from addiction to criminal barriers to being institutionalized from being in prison to simply have lived on the street for 20 years. It's maintaining a safe space for those guys is the hardest part. I loved what you said too about Jules providing an opportunity for anyone to get to volunteer in a safe way. Yes. That was something that I definitely was very nervous about when I went out by myself, knowing I didn't have any, you know, support or backup. We were incredibly cautious and, you know, very much gave people their space, but it made me think how valuable organizations like yours are for not only giving the opportunity to serve, but doing so safely and educating people. I think that's a big part of um, serving people meaningfully is knowing enough about what you're doing to do it well and to not put yourself at risk. I agree. And we never recommend that folks just go out on their own into any situation that they feel necessary. I do say if you have a pair of socks and you see a guy without socks, give him a pair of socks. But there is that we, we don't know what you're going to encounter every night. And most people in crisis, that's their worst day. Mm-hmm. So you're seeing somebody on their very worst day. And I know my worst day doesn't look so pretty. Mm. But being able to, the community is ready and willing to help. They've proven that just through us is they're here. And they just don't know. When you look at homelessness and you look at the big picture of homelessness, it's overwhelming to anyone. I mean, it's overwhelming to our city, to our service workers, to anybody, because there's so many people experiencing homelessness and no real answer to how do we solve it? Everybody's situation is different. Everybody's reason is different. Everybody's circumstance is different. It's really focusing on -on one-on-one care. It's why outreach is so important, but the community wants to help. They just don't have a space to do that. They don't know, well, what is my 10 sandwiches going to do? Mm-hmm. It just, it's easier just to not make them. Well, your 10 sandwiches provides 10 meals for somebody experiencing homelessness. And valuing each one of those things and everybody's contribution to make a team. Jules, I am only the face of Jules. Like, that's all I am. I had a great idea and... I ran this crazy idea by folks and they supported it. That's all I've really done. The team jewels is everybody who participates in any way from the big donors who donate thousands of dollars to the lady who brings in a crock pot full of soup for our guests. Every single one of those people is needed and every one of those people's participation is how we get past this and through this and help people out of homelessness and into being what we all want is integrated back into society where there's hope and out on the street. Hope is the one thing you can't live without. And when you don't have that, it's, we get to the point that we see now and people don't understand that. So my job in this is to come and do interviews like this and make documentaries and bring people in so that 
they get to see what happens behind the scene. Because when you think of homelessness and you've never known anyone who's homeless and you've never known anybody who struggles with addiction, your first thought of homelessness is the aggressive guy on the corner asking for money. That's a view of homelessness. What our goal is, is for people to see the real faces of homelessness, the stories and the hurt and the trouble behind them so that we can ask the community to participate in first healing because they all suffer with two same things, which is loss of community and, and trauma. And we can't fix trauma. I'm not a counselor. It's not what I do. I, I can't, I don't even do housing. I know people that do. We're not trying to reinvent the wheel. We just want to connect them with those people that already do this work. And it's amazing. When we limit how the community participates, we also limit the reintegration of our homeless folks back into the same community because it's an us versus them narrative. Us housed, them houseless. That's why they get called those people a lot because they're categorized into one group of folks. And our job is to show the stories and the successes because our level of success is measured a whole lot differently than most places. Most people measure their level of success as how sober were you today? Did you not use? Are you in housing? Those aren't goals that the folks in the condition that we find them can ascertain anytime soon. It is a long process. It's a healing process. And it's it just takes somebody in our position to be able to say, we understand and we're coming from a place of understanding. We don't justify that your behaviors or actions are okay. I never want anybody using drugs, but I understand why they do. And that's the difference is teaching people that not everything is their choice. It's not their choice to sleep out on the street. It's only that their circumstance has led them to that being their only option or that they think that that is their only option. Regardless if it isn't the answer, it isn't their only option to be sleeping on the street. If they truly believe that, it's still their truth. And that truth has to be broken and given another answer. And it is really incredible to see a fellow business owner in our community look at her own humanity and be able to create this amazing program out of nowhere and really serve a need for people who feel so unseen and so broken to just give them a place to feel loved, supported, and start that process. Yeah, that's, that's really how this works. It's really how Jules works is I'm a broken person. I've spent a lifetime of bad decisions. I may never have been addicted to drugs, but I've filled that void with lots of other things in my life. The same void that they're trying to fill. I don't, I've never been homeless, but I know how it feels to be hopeless. I know what it feels like to be alone and lost And I've learned how and why that is for me. And my healing that's still in process, because I'm still a work in process, (laughs) is something that can hold a little bit of hope that we do recover. We do get better. We can be successful. 
And that's why we use peer support. Peer support is number one. The most important thing out on the street is I can speak for hours to people experiencing homelessness and they'll hear what I say and maybe some of them will listen. But if they see my example, it's something that they don't see on a regular basis. When they see their peers become employed, when they see their peers get housing, when they see their peers becoming more successful and digging themselves out of that hole, it gives somebody a new motivation that, oh, I can recover. No, it isn't hopeless. If this person can do it, then I can do it too. And that's why we do the programs the way that we do. I employ, for the most part, people experiencing homelessness or people who were formerly homeless. And I try to take away all the barriers to employment that I can. There are some that I can't take away. Working with a vulnerable population, we realize that there's some requirements. We can't allow somebody to work with them that has a crime against a person. If you're on the sexual offender registry, you're not safe to work with a vulnerable population, but we can plug in somewhere volunteering. We don't limit those. We just can't employ you. Those friends, those neighbors of ours that experience homelessness, it's keeping all of the money that comes in in the same community. Mm. We're not taking that money and spending it somewhere else. We're actually reusing it back into the same programs that we already do regularly. And our goal is to someday be able to employ those folks <laughs> and pay them real actual money. Gosh, and isn't that such a wonderful cycle of help? Yeah. And in community um, here in Spokane, I know that so many people want to contribute locally. And when you contribute to a local charity, it impacts people that you see walking down the street every day. You give them a chance to feel like they really are a part of our city and not just a castaway. And, you know, before we send you back to your very important work that we admire so deeply, we have to congratulate you on something. Yes, we do. You just got engaged. I, we are so happy sure for did. you. Jason Green proposed. Thank you, yes. Jason, for being a smart one, locking this down. <laughs> and we just saw you the other night at Wandering Table, enjoying an evening out. So it's just such an encouragement for us to get to see your story have a very happy turn. Um, what has it been like as a newly engaged lady? <sighs> well, Jason and I have lived together for four years. We have been partners. Um, I met Jason. He's previously incarcerated. So I met him when he came out of prison mm -hmm. and we've built this together on literally those fundamentals is Jason was a very successful man in his previous life. He made a lot of money. He had the things that you would see as successful mm -hmm. and he still messed that up yeah. and he figured out why and how to make that better and that's how we address our friends experiencing homelessness is you can and he's a great example for our friends with felonies our friends who have had some criminal barriers to say it's not the end we can get all of those things back that we would like. Somebody just needs to give us a chance. Mm -hmm. And if that's a plug for Eat Good Food Group, it really <laughs> is. 
because yeah. they gave Jason a chance when they didn't need to. Yeah. And everybody else told him no. And he's proven himself to have made better decisions and do a good job. And he's really good at what he does. So when employers, just like us and people in the community, take second chance employees, you start to realize that sometimes people have learned their lesson, even if it takes two or three times, and they're ready to move forward. And the only way to do that is to offer that chance. There is nothing better than a story of redemption. And there isn't any single perfect person out there. I think this is a huge encouragement to anyone who is wanting to get involved in something that's bigger than themselves, even after they've had a difficult life. I know, my goodness, I have had a story that's probably up there with some of those crazy Lifetime movies that you see, but anybody can start from anywhere. And you have definitely both proven that and been an excellent example for people in our community to really give back. Truly. It's difficult to stand in your truth and share those experiences that are very painful, but there's power in that too. And we are so grateful that you shared your story with us today. Uh, I'm so thankful you guys have me. Yeah. Yeah. This was fascinating. I'm so glad that everyone got to hear this and I'm just sitting back thinking, wow, how, how can I get involved? How can people get Um, involved with Jules? Come join us. I, I encourage everyone to participate in whatever capacity that looks like. But we do mobile showers six days a week in six different locations. We can always use people helping there. We take donations for that as well of towels and hygiene supplies. Underwear are huge. Mm -hmm. People don't think we take used underwear. We do. Go buy yourself some new ones. Bring us your old ones. We'll make sure they're clean and sanitary and given out. Um, We do. We have about nine programs that we run and we offer anyone to come work or participate or see what we do. Never take my word for what's going on out on the street. Come, let me show you why and why we do this and how we do it. And that's, you can participate at our center. All of that can be done through our website, which is juleshelpinghands.org or our Facebook pages, which is we have a Jules Helping Hands nonprofit page and a group page as well. Perfect. We are so excited to get a chance to really come and help and encourage people to do the same. So go sign up at juleshelpinghands.org and we will see you helping people around Spokane. Thank you. Thank you. This podcast was produced and edited by Speak Spokane.